Friends, our chalice flame is lit. This symbol of our worldwide community. And it's lit this morning to honor Veronica Nieder, a longtime member of our congregation who died on Wednesday. Veronica, Veronica's someone who spanned the countries of our world and touched the hearts of many, especially through her keen engagement with playback theater. Born, born and brought up in Hong Kong, she moved to North Kensington with her mother many years ago, and she has been an inspiration to many, especially younger people, I think, setting out on their careers in the theater world. So I'm going to invite us all to just sit for a moment in silence together, holding Veronica and her friends in our hearts with this candle flame to connect us all. So thank you, everyone, and thank you, Veronica. Your shining light lit up rooms and touched many hearts. And now let me welcome all of you, those of you joining us online from your homes and those of you here in person at Essex Church here in Notting Hill. It's good to gather together with others, isn't it? in times of grief as in times of joy. And it's what we humans do. We're sharing the journeys of our lives, we're telling our stories, and we're helping one another along the way. This thing, this thing called life, it's not a solitary pursuit. It's a shared endeavor. In our service today, we're taking a look at an issue too often hidden from most of us, the systems by which we deal with wrongdoers in our society. And we're going to start by singing together a hymn that really expresses for me the important reminder that this is one world. And that our actions and our choices and our attitudes, they will always affect other people. And it seems a particularly relevant message this week as we move towards the International Earth Day next weekend and uh, we get ready here in London for the big one as Extinction Rebellion's four-day demonstration is called. It's a demonstration supported by over 100 other organizations including us Unitarians, the Green Spirit Group nationally, KFOD, Greenpeace to mention just a few. So, the hymn is in the grey hymn book here as number 134, and the words are also going to appear on screens. And I'm just going to read the first verse. Our world is one world. What touches one affects us all. The seas that wash us round about, the clouds that cover us, the rains that fall. Let's sing. Thank you. 
So let, let's ready ourselves now for a time of prayer and reflection. Let's hold in our hearts all those we've heard spoken of this morning. May the spirit of compassion help us to feel the suffering of the people and the creatures of our world. May the spirit of love melt cold hearts that trample on human rights. May the spirit of beauty help us to preserve unique splendors of each community. May the spirit of wisdom help us to treasure the mystical insights of all religions. May the spirit of patience and endurance strengthen those who are oppressed and exiled from their homes. May the spirit of courage strengthen those who speak for those who have no voice. May the spirit of nonviolence bring healing peace and justice to all peoples of the world. And may the spirit of justice unite us, dissolving all separations, all seeming divisions, bringing wholeness once more to all human endeavors. And in that spirit of justice, and in a few quiet shared moments, I invite you now to send your thoughts, your prayers, where you feel there is need. Be that places within yourself, in those you love or in our wider world. And may the blessings of love, of compassion, of justice be with all beings this day. Amen. And the invitation now is to join in saying a reading. It, it's written as a responsive reading, but I, I think let's just say if you want, say all the words if you wish. The words are going to appear on your screens. They can also be found in the back of the hymn book. So, yeah, if ever you're bored in a service here and we're using the grey hymn book, go to the back and you'll find so many wonderful uh, readings. We're looking for number 662 and it always takes a little while. This reading is called These Strange and Foolish Walls. These Strange and Foolish Walls.
was, it was written by a fine Unitarian minister, originally from Wales, but uh, who served for a long time the All Souls Congregation in Washington, D.C. He was called A. Powell Davis. And in this reading, he's exploring the ways we separate ourselves from one another, failing to remember that we are kindred beings. Let's read together. The years of all of us are short, our lives precarious. Our days and nights go hurrying on, and there is scarcely time to do the little that we might. Yet we find time for bitterness, for petty treason and evasion. What can we do to stretch our hearts enough to lose their littleness? Here we are, all of us, all upon this planet, bound together in a common destiny, living our lives between the briefness of the daylight and the dark. Kindred in this, each lighted by the same precarious, flickering flame of life. How does it happen that we are not kindred in all things else? How strange and foolish are these walls of separation that divide us? How strange and foolish are these walls of separation that divide us. What a simple yet powerful message that one is. And I think a similar message is going to come from our next hymn, um, which is called, When I Needed a Neighbor. I'm gonna suggest that we stay seated to sing this hymn. Maybe think of those, perhaps, who we have separated ourselves from. I don't know, those we disagree with, hate even, maybe, those we disapprove of or are frightened of, those we just ignore and might even have forgotten that they exist. So far are they removed from our circles, our lives. When I needed a neighbor, were you there? And George is gonna play the tune through, all the way through once for us before we join in.
So on our order of service um, here in church, we've got some famous words from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. And for those of you at home or listening to this at a later date as a podcast or a video, um, you can always read the scripts of our services on the Kensington Unitarians website. All our pearls of wisdom are there. So you'll find that reading there. It, I expect many of you will know these words from chapter 25 of Matthew's Gospel. The whole chapter contains perhaps the most powerful statement of Jesus's key teachings on social justice, on the need for us humans to rebalance the imbalances of our societies. This is the verse that's echoed in that hymn we've just sung. So the words go, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Jesus goes on to explain that when such care is shown to any person, it is as though we have cared for Jesus himself. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So the invitation as we move into a meditative time of our service is to breathe in that message of oneness. And let's create together a quiet time for our own thoughts, considering our own ways of being in this complex, multifaceted world of ours. So let's find as comfier position as we can. And let's ready ourselves for a time of turning inwards. Maybe softening your gaze, Relaxing those muscles of the face, our heads, necks, and shoulders, allowing all the muscles of your body to ease and release. Maybe putting down anything that you no longer want to hold on to, or holding on to that which you need to have with you. Feeling your body against the chair or other place you're resting, aware of your feet, if they're touching the floor, simply aware of gravity, gently bringing us into connection with Mother Earth herself, from whom we live our days. We're going to be spending a few minutes in silence, and that will end with a chime from our bell, and then George, our pianist, will be playing a particularly soothing piece of music for us, written by J.S. Bach. Let's enter that fellowship of stillness together now.
This reading is called On Crime and Punishment, and it's abridged and adapted from the famous poetic work called The Prophet by the Lebanese Christian mystic Khalil Gibran. It's a bit longer than some of our readings, and Gibran is making the classic point that we need to replace dualism, good and bad, right and wrong, and in our thinking and ways of being in the world. Only when we admit to our own errors and limitations can we truly start to relate with people whose lives seem so very different from our own. Here are Gibran's words. Then one of the judges of the city stood forth and said, Speak to us of crime and punishment. And he answered, saying, It is when your spirit goes wandering upon the wind that you, alone and unguarded, commit a wrong unto others, and therefore unto yourself. And for that wrong committed must you knock and wait a while unheeded at the gate of the blessed. Oftentimes have I heard you speak of one who commits a wrong, as though they were not one of you, but a stranger unto you, and an intruder upon your world. But I say that even as the holy and the righteous cannot rise beyond the highest which is in each one of you, so the wicked and weak cannot fall lower than the lowest which is in you also. And as a single leaf turns not yellow, but with the silent knowledge of the whole tree, so the wrongdoer cannot do wrong without the hidden will of you all. Like a procession, you walk together towards your God self. You are the way and the wayfarers. And when one of you falls down, he falls for those behind him, a caution against the stumbling stone. Aye, and he falls for those ahead of him, who though faster and surer of foot, yet remove not the stumbling stone. Yea, the guilty is oftentimes the victim of the injured. And still more often the condemned is the burden bearer for the guiltless and unblamed. You cannot separate the just from the unjust and the good from the wicked, for they stand together before the face of the sun. And if any of you would punish in the name of righteousness and lay the axe unto the evil tree, let him see to its roots, and verily he will find the roots of the good and the bad, the fruitful and the fruitless, all entwined together in the silent heart of the earth. And you judges who would be just, what judgment pronounce you upon him who, though honest in the flesh, yet is in the thief, is yet the thief in spirit? 
What penalty lay you upon him who slays in the flesh, yet is himself slain in the spirit? And how prosecute you him who in action is a deceiver and an oppressor, yet who also is aggrieved and outraged? And you who would understand justice, how shall you, unless you look upon all deeds in the fullness of light? Only then shall you know that the erect and the foreign are but one person standing in twilight between the night of their small self and the day of their God self. And that the cornerstone of the temple is not higher than the lowest stone in its foundation. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, for that reading. That's not an easy reading at all. And it, it, I recommend the whole piece to you, which um, is, yeah, it's strong. So for our address, I, I wanted to invite our current Home Secretary or our Prisons Minister, whose name I had to look up. Um, I wanted to invite them to today's service so they could hear what I've got to say about the state of our criminal justice system. But I think they're too busy. They've probably got plenty of other problems on their desks. And there are, in truth, quite a few other politicians who I wish were sitting with us here now, because when it comes down to issues of crime and punishment, it's surprising how many politicians of all political persuasions really want to be seen as tough on crime. Our national discourse on crime is often dispiritingly limited to lock them up for longer. And as a society, I would say that for most of us, for most of the time, we tend to forget what is going on in our courts and in our prisons. Most of us are mercifully not involved in crime. On the front of our order of service today, there's a quote from the Russian author Fyodor Dostoevsky, who writes famously that the degree of civilization in a society can be judged by entering its prisons. The degree of civilization in a society can be judged by entering its prisons. So in this address, I'm taking Dostoevsky's quote, I'm applying it to our criminal justice system as a whole, because we all know our system is broken. It is crying out for review and reform. Our justice system is no longer fit for purpose, and it does not show our society here in England and Wales to be either civilized or just. Now, I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but actually my dealings with our justice system have been mercifully brief. I've never sat on a jury. I don't know if any of you have. Is there a show of hands? Have we had any jurors? One, two, three, four of us have, have sat on a jury. I'll be very interested to hear about that experience over a couple later. I've had my day in court as one of a group of squatters taken to the High Court in the Strand back in the late 1970s. 
I visited somebody in a young offenders institution. That was a brief glimpse into another world where very well-meaning staff and very stressed family members were trying to deal with angry young men who had little to do all day except watch TV and play video games for hours on end. I've been a witness in a court hearing and I've supported others who've been called as witnesses. And I've written character statements for people who were being tried. Those few experiences were absolutely more than enough to tell me that if we can avoid being involved in our justice system, either as wrongdoers or as those who have been wronged, then we should be thanking our lucky stars. If by any chance your life has been involved in courts and crime, well, my apologies for sounding in any way glib about this. And if you do feel comfortable telling me your story at some point, then do get in touch. So most of what I'll say today comes not from my own limited experiences, but from a barrister who um, has worked for over 30 years in our courts. Chris Dore, King's Counsel, has written a book called Justice on Trial, Radical Solutions for a System at Breaking Point. And he was a speaker at our recent annual Unitarian annual meetings. Chris Dore had been invited uh, by our penal and social affairs panel, um, which is a group that's been working for decades to tell us Unitarians and the wider world what's going on in our prisons, as well as highlighting many other areas that need that light of awareness shining on them, a light of awareness and responsibility. But shouldn't we as citizens be fully aware of what's being done in our names? Just as importantly, I think we need to own our own leanings towards punitive responses towards bad behavior. When someone in our society does something wrong, something cruel, something mean, despicable, violent, sometimes incomprehensible, how do we respond? That urge to lock dangerous people away is understandable, isn't it? And it's right, we need to be protected from dangerous people. And fear is a very natural response to violence. But how does Khalil Gibran put it in that writing, in that reading we heard from Brian earlier on? If any of you would punish in the name of righteousness, and lay the axe unto the evil tree, let him see to its roots. And verily he will find the roots of the good and the bad, the fruitful and the fruitless, all entwined together in the silent heart of the earth. One needs the other. We humans often think in dualisms, don't we? We can point to the good people and the bad. We, when thinking how best to deal with, with those who break society's laws, I think we have to go beyond these simplistic divisions, for we are all interconnected and intertwined. Those lives are so interwoven and at the roots of some criminal behavior, there are social injustices that could be reduced if we had the will to reduce them. Poverty, ethnicity, our care and our educational systems, 
they can all be seen as influencing factors of criminal behavior. Put simply, if you are poor, if you are black, if you are male, if you are addicted to drugs, if you have as a child been in our so-called care system, well, then you are far more likely to end up in prison. And before any of us um, consider ourselves more fortunate than judge any other person, we do need to consider how we might have behaved if our life circumstances had been similarly shaped. Of course, there are people who are dangerous to society and must be locked up for the good of all, the common good of all. For some crimes, the, the dreadful rallying cry of the right-wing media, lock them up and throw away the key. Well, maybe that is required sometimes. Some people may need to spend the rest of their lives in jail. Maybe that is a correct response. But even in those cases, I think a civilized society should offer someone chance to turn their life around, to, a chance to educate themselves, a chance to come to terms even with what they've done and why they did it. But most prisoners are eventually released. And we should be concerned that the poor state of our prisons means that prisoners are being sent back into society in a probably worse state than when they were imprisoned because prison education systems are less available to them than they used to be. And drug taking in prison is shockingly common and increasingly so. In an overcrowded prison, all that can be achieved perhaps is that you survive the experience. And on release, if the probation service is so diminished that it cannot help you find work and a place to live, and if like too many prisoners, you're now estranged from your family, then wouldn't most of us turn to our criminal friends to help us get started on life outside? Chris Dorr, the barrister who wrote that book that I mentioned, he highlighted for us in his talk that the drug trade is one of the key drivers behind criminal behavior. Because we as a society choose to criminalize drug taking, they are forced to, to pay really high prices and deal with criminals in order to get, say, a daily fix of heroin. And that financial need, which Chris Dorr estimated as around £300 a day, that's how much it will cost you to fund a heroin habit. That £300 a day requires you to break into cars, break into homes, steal on the streets, go shoplifting. Now, there are countries such as Switzerland and Portugal where addicts can receive the drugs they need safely from medical facilities. Such countries, surprise, surprise, see a drop in crime numbers and a corresponding drop in prison numbers. Now, I've promised this, um, this book to a couple of people already, but eventually it's heading for the church library down in the basement. Do you know how some books can be both unbelievably dispiriting and yet also inspiring at the same time? Well, reading, reading this reminded me painfully of some really terrible social injustices and, and the ones that affect me the most are about our care system. We should be truly ashamed of that. But, but 
Christor stamps actually spiritually really in accord with our Unitarian emphasis on unity. So I'm going to end uh, by quoting his closing paragraph from the chapter entitled, Why People Are Neither Good Nor Evil. It's a chapter written for us. He writes, if we are ever to break free of the cycle of crime and violence, perpetuated as much by our criminal justice system as by those behind its bars, we need to travel beyond the binary of good and evil. We need to see criminal behavior as a series of acts that cause our society and its citizens harm and for which all are to some degree responsible. It achieves nothing to place those perpetrators of those acts into some category that marks them out as different from the rest of us. Those are Chris Dawes' words. So let's all of us use our voices to spread this message. A society needs to invest highly in all its care systems so that nobody is forgotten. Nobody is allowed to fall by the wayside. But each of us surely is a neighbor, one to another. And the roots of our living are always going to be interwoven. Amen. And I forgot to um, mention that on, on the hymn sheet that we used earlier on, there are some statistics that I've got from varied sources, so they're possibly a bit unreliable, but they do tell you a little bit of something about the statistics behind prisoners. And there's a list of useful sources of information, and um, they have some great information on their websites. The Prison Reform Trust has a counter that tells you each week how many people are in prison. So in England and Wales this week, the prison population is 84,372 people. That's double what it was in the 1990s. Ha! We better sing now, hadn't we? Sing or just listen to some beautiful music. Our closing hymn today is called Wait Now Our Senses. It's number 298 in the Grey Hymn Book. All the words are going to appear on the screen for you. Wait Now My Senses.
Well, some announcements now. Um, thanks, as always, to those working behind the scene on technical support. Ramona here in church, Maria as our online host, Jane for preparing the orders of service and the service script and the recording that will be online. Thanks to George for music. That was great today, George. Thank you. And Brian, thank you for that reading. The other announcements can be found on the back of your order of service sheet or do sign up for our congregational weekly email if you're not getting that at the moment. Do stay if you're here in church for a cup of tea or coffee and a chat after the service. And the same goes for those of you online. Your host, Maria, will be welcome to have a chat with you. Um, lots of messages here. The Heart and Soul contemplative online meetings are a great way to meet people. And those are on Sunday and Friday evenings. And there's an email, Jane's email, for you to contact. There's an outing. There's an outing to the Isle of Dogs this coming Wednesday. If you have never been to Mudshoot Farm, go and be prepared to be delighted. You will meet pigs and llamas and other interesting animals of all sorts. There's a lovely cafe and there's details about how to get involved with that. Um, and then be sure to come back from that and go dancing with Sonia. Sonia does an in-person uh, dance class, a near dance class every Friday here in church. And you're also doing your Wednesdays online, aren't you? They may have to join you from Mudshoot Farm for that one this week. Um, next week's uh, service in person and online will be read by, led by the Reverend Dr. Jane Blackall. Um, we're inviting people to book for the Festival of Unitarians in the Southeast, which is going to be the first weekend of June. That's a great way to get to know uh, people from other congregations. And I'm going to be there and it's in a Carmelite monastery. So yeah, really worth a visit that. Oh, it's a former Carmelite priory, but I think they're still there. I don't know, we'll find out. And the theme is building paradise. So do get in touch if you'd like to come to that. And Patricia, shall I just mention what we talked about? Uh, yeah, come on, no, you come and do it. That'd be great. I've just got hearing aids and they're... Oh yeah, they're easy to hook off, aren't they? <laughs> this one's plenty of time. Um, after the service next Sunday, we are be, we'll be voting on the recommendation from the search committee as to elect Jane as our minister. Ballot papers will be available as you leave the service. Brian's providing a ballot box. And for people online, at the end of the service, the Zoom host will post on their screens a Zoom ballot, which is anonymous, and they'll be able to vote. If anybody really wants to vote and can't, can they get in touch with me? Thank you. smashing so do talk to uh, Patricia and uh, Maria will know more about that if you want to hear more after the service and do encourage everybody to vote I think it's really important ah, right some closing words a blessing for us all followed by some great music let us leave this sacred time and sacred space with love and justice in our hearts seeking the common good of all, knowing that each and every life is inextricably connected one with another. 
If one suffers, we all suffer. If one falls, we all fall. If one life is lifted up and healed, we may all know what it is to be healed and made whole once more. So may we hold that aspiration for the common good of all as a guide to our living, that all may have chance to flourish in these beautiful spring days. Amen. Go well, all of you, and blessed be.